Well, I um, remember I was listening to a message the other day by uh, Dr. Sam Davison, and I've listened to a number of those messages when I was traveling back and forth to um, camp, and um, he was talking, and in the midst of uh, just uh, one of his sermons, he was giving a story about it, preaching out around the country, and years and years ago, there was a song, it was called Beulah Land, and he said, that song, everywhere he went, just everywhere he went, they sang that song. It didn't matter where he went, they sang that song. He said, I came home and I told my wife, if I hear that song one more time, I'm going to quit the ministry and who cares, I'll just go to heaven. I can't take it. It was driving him nuts just hearing that same song over and over and over and over again. And, and of course, every church he went into, they thought it was you know, awe-inspiring. And he's thinking, man, I hear this everywhere I go. And so anyway, I'm going to sing it for you. <clears throat> in honor of him. No. <laughs> I'm kind of homesick for a country to which I have never been before. No sad goodbyes Will there be spoken? For time won't matter anymore. Beulah land, I'm longing for you. And someday, on thee how stand there my home shall be eternal Beulah land sweet Beulah land I'm looking down across that old river where my faith is going to end in sight. There's just a few more days down here to labor. Then I will take my heavenly flight. Beulah land, I'm longing for you. And someday on thee I'll stand. There my home shall be eternal. Beulah land, sweet Beulah land. Beulah land, sweet Beulah land.
take our Bible, turn over to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, as we continue in our The Need to Live by Principle series. We've been trying to lay a foundation, talking a lot about integrity and character and the need for those elements as we prepare to live by principle. If we're going to live by principle, we absolutely need that uh, foundation of integrity. And that's why we've been addressing these issues. And we see in Ephesians chapter 5 that the Apostle Paul, speaking to the church at Ephesus, says, Be therefore, verse 1, followers of God as dear children. He goes on in verse 1 to tell them, chapter 5, verse 1, excuse me, in verse 2, to say, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. What a powerful portion of Scripture that is. As he points out that we are the followers of God, that we are as dear children to God, and and, and we are such a, a blessed people. And as a result of that, we ought to walk in love, the love of Christ and our love toward Christ at the same time. And we were to give ourselves as an offering, a sacrifice, Unto him is a sweet-smelling savor. Goes right back to Romans chapter 12 when he tells us to present ourselves a living sacrifice. And he's basically saying, listen, because of what Christ has already done, as a result of everything that he has sacrificed and given on your behalf, you ought to be willing to lay your life down now and serve him. So he emphasizes their relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. They are the children of God. Boy, what a wonderful, wonderful thing that is. And as a result of this relationship that we have in Christ Jesus, we are to be so given and surrendered and submitted to Him. He says, why in the world would any of these things be named among you after everything that Christ has done for you? Still we see the erosion of ethics and we see the disintegration of integrity and Morality, even amongst the church house and the folks of of God. And it's uh, sweeping our country, it's sweeping our churches, it's reaping havoc in our ministries. There are so many voices proclaiming another truth today. As a result, integrity must be a mission. We need to be proactive and we need to constantly and continually pursue it and remain steadfast in our resolve. We need to maintain our integrity at all costs. And we see that the teachings of Scripture are very clear, that principle is important, that ethics are urgent, and that integrity is essential. We've already begun to share some suggestions as to making integrity important and making it such a part of our daily life. We said Put Jesus first, number one. Then give attention to the Bible. Number three, follow leaders who follow the Lord. Number four, stop trying to impress everybody. Number five, adopt biblical standards as normal behavior. And then we said last time we gathered, stop accepting, excuse me, stop unacceptable practices. And tonight we want to continue. And this will be the last, and then we'll start talking a little bit more about this element of principle. But 
We want to talk about this one, and it's something that I think is becoming more and more of a problem, not just amongst those in the world, but it seems to be becoming more of a problem amongst, amongst believers today. Don't get lazy or be lazy. Oh, this is going to be fun. You think, oh, it's going to be great. I can't wait. It's going to, it's going to be a good one, preacher. Thanks. But listen, if we're going to live by principle, we're not going to be able to get lazy, okay? If we're going to live by, uh, with principles of integrity even, or we're going to lay that foundation, we, we can't afford to get lazy. Now that, that's not going to work good. And so let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to address some, I guess, do a little basic study concerning laziness from God's perspective. And then I want to give you a couple of thoughts, and then I want to focus on just a few very brief dangers. And so let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you. Thanking you again for the privilege that it is to gather in this place, Lord, to lift up your name and to, Father, glorify you and your word. And I thank you for these that have gathered. And, Lord, tonight I, I really don't know if there's even any live stream. I know that we've had problems with our phones. We're having problems with our, uh, I, I don't know if our internet or whatever. But, Lord, if people are watching, praise the Lord. If they're not, well, Lord, tonight we're here. And we just ask, dear God, that you'd be glorified in this service, that, Father, you'd walk these aisles, speak to our hearts. Lord, do a work in our lives. May we be inspired to be better for you. Father, we need you. I need you. I pray you'd fill me with your Holy Ghost, allow me to be your mouthpiece. Lord, I pray that you'd provide for me a holy unction and that, Lord, I'd be able to proclaim your truth with power. And Lord, may every listening ear be anointed that they may hear with spiritual ears. May we leave here again, Lord, inspired to be better for you. We love you. We need you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so let's do a little basic study concerning laziness from God's perspective. Number one, we, we see that the Bible calls those that are lazy, he calls them sluggards. And he goes on to describe them. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? So what do we learn from that? Well, we learn that lazy folks don't like to get out of bed and they're content to lounge around. Is that what the Bible says? Yeah, I kind of put it in somewhat of a more modern vernacular, but that's basically it, right? Well, how about this? Proverbs 10, 26. The Bible says, As vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to them that sent him. I don't know about you, but I don't know much about the old vinegar to the teeth thing because I don't really drink a lot of vinegar. I'm not sure what that's getting at. I, I needed to do a lot of study, but I didn't really feel like studying it for this particular lesson. But I'll tell you this much. I've had a lot of smoke in my eyes. Have you ever been around a fire or something and the smoke turns on you and it goes right in your face? Man, I'll tell you what, that's gritty. That hurts, doesn't it? It kind of burns and it's just like, oh, you know, really gets you. Well, here's what he's saying. As vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the slugger to them that sent him. Uh, lazy people bring great distress on those who count on them. You count on somebody that's lazy, you're going to be in a, lot of, a world of hurts. A world of hurts. Then we go to Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the slugger desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. So what's that getting at? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. Lazy people want the same things we all want, but they have nothing. They want it, they just don't have it. Why? You got to work. Why do I feel people are offended by what I'm saying already? And I'm not even talking, I haven't pointed out any person yet. 
I haven't even gotten personal yet. I'm just stating what the Bible says, and I feel like people are already getting nervous. They're like moving in their seats a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sitting. I'm not a fly on your wall. <laughs> this is a prevailing problem, though, in our culture, isn't it? And unfortunately, it's becoming a, a real problem in our homes. It's a problem in our marriages. It's a problem in our churches nowadays. Oh, oh, oh here we go. You'll like these. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4 says, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in the harvest and have nothing. Proverbs 26, 13. The slothful man saith, this, There is a line in the way. A line is in the streets. You say, well, what are you getting at? That sounds a lot like the last one. Well, lazy people always have an excuse for why they can't work or do anything productive. He's got an excuse. There's a line in the streets. I can't go out there. What are you talking about? I'll get killed. Right? Okay. It's so cold out there. I just can't imagine working out in that cold right now. I mean, I think I'll stay by the fire today. Right? That's what he's saying. He said, no, that's just being smart. According to the Bible, that's teetering on lazy, if not lazy. You know, how many days a week do you have to stay by the fire when it's cold outside to be called lazy versus smart? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have that answer, but it just seems to me that God seems to have it. So anyway, Proverbs 26, 16 says, The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. What do you, what's that? I mean, come on, what's that saying? Well, lazy people are blinded to their sad condition, but believe themselves justified in their own eyes. You can't tell them they're wrong. They think they're right. They, they, they got good reasons for what they're doing. I mean, it's cold out there, right? I mean, you want to be stupid, you go out, but I'm not. You know, I mean, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, they come, to, they come up with their own reasons. Now, it is obvious that laziness has no place in the believer's life. Okay, that's clear. Laziness does not belong in the believer's life. You know, we see how Paul appear earlier in chapter 5 of Ephesians talking about some of these things shouldn't even be named among us. Well, I'm going to tell you, laziness shouldn't be either. There are certainly times, of course, when we may be limited by our health or particular circumstances. We understand that, right? Okay, so we're not, that's not what we're addressing. That's not where we're going. But hold on a second. Let me say this. Um, you know, I'm just going to say this. When you go into the hospital and you have a surgery, let me ask you something. What's the first thing they want to do to you after your surgery? Get you up. Get you up. Get out of that bed. Why do they want to get you out of the bed? Because they don't want you to get blood clots. And they've also realized that the sooner you get up out of bed, the sooner you'll recover. Now, it does not feel good to get up out of bed once you've had surgery, I'm sure. And I'm sure there are complications that sometimes keep folks in bed for a long time. But let me tell you this, you have to fight through the pain and you've got to be willing to stand up if you really want to recover and get out, there, out of there soon. And if you don't want other further complications. Now listen, the, the, the sluggard can come up with all kinds of excuses why it's so wise to stay home and why it's so wise to do this or not do that, but the fact is, is that it's for their own good that they get, they get rid of that attitude, that mentality. It doesn't belong in the Christian life. It, that mentality doesn't belong in the believer's heart. Then No, let's stop being lazy. Let's not do that. Let's not convince ourselves it's okay. It's not okay. 
It's unscriptural. It's unbiblical. There's, even, no matter how bad the situation is, there should still be a sense of urgency that dominates our thinking. And we should be saying, I will not pursue comfort and ease over productiveness. And if that means fighting to get to my feet and walking after surgery, I'm going to be productive and I'm not simply going to seek the path of least resistance. And that's true in every aspect of our life. And it is not comfortable, as the Bible says, to read the Word of God and study the Bible. Studiness is, study is weariness to the flesh, the Bible says. You know why we don't study the Word? Because it's weariness to the flesh. We don't study the Bible then because it is work, and work is something that we are allergic to today. Let's be honest. There were generations before us that worked from morning till night and never quit. And you know, the wives didn't complain and the kids weren't all in shambles and life was still going okay and dad was still working 12 and 16 hours a day. But we're not workers today. We don't understand what that even means. We don't even have moms in homes that are willing to work and take care of their kids. They need dad to do everything for them. Thank you, preacher. We love you. Hey, listen, we aren't workers like we used to be. We are getting lazy. We're unwilling to even fulfill our own God-given roles today. We need help all the time. Got to have help. Can't do it by myself, preacher. This is really a rough life. You don't understand. It's different than it used to be 40 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Really, what's changed? You mean to tell me raising kids is tougher now than it's ever been? You mean that changing diapers is still as tough as, uh, more tough than it was when I changed all of them? <laughs> okay, so maybe I didn't change diapers. But anyway, the fact is, is it was still tough on old Sherry. I mean, young Sherry. I didn't mean to say old. <laughs> young Sherry. Wow, that wasn't good. I'm digging a hole. I'm going to... I'm not going to be lazy tonight. I'm going to get out and get going and run away. I'm going to get out of here and give her time to cool off. Wow. I will not pursue comfort and ease over productiveness. So let me give you a couple thoughts then. Okay, here it is. Living by principle comes with a price. Okay, because we're going we're to live by principle, right? So we're going to lay a foundation. I mean, this laziness can be a problem. Living by principle in the world, we, we, we will, um, let's see, it'll cause you to stand out in the crowd. When you start to do that, you'll stand out in the crowd. Your life will be defined by self-discipline and inconvenience. That's what happens when you start living by principle. Self-discipline will be a, a major aspect of your life, and inconvenience will be something you'll deal with. As a believer in Christ, that's true. It seems millennials are waging a new generational war, I read. And the enemy is Captain Crunch. Yeah, listen to this. The Washington Post reports the sale of breakfast cereals in the U.S. is down nearly 30% over the past 15 years. You say, well, that's good. Well, part of that is growing uh, preferences for things like smoothies and protein bars, according to the New York Times. Well, those, most of those aren't any better. But anyway, but nearly, watch this, 40% of millennials in a recent survey said eating cereal was inconvenient because they had to clean up after eating it. How inconvenient. 
Wow, that's a lot of work eating that Captain Crunch. Woo! Right? I mean, that's what, that, that's what, that's, yeah. With that said, gets, it should be no surprise then, along with cereal sales, Christianity's in a decline. It's in a decline across the country as a result. We've, we've given statistics over and over again. I mean, it's in such a decline. Why is that the case? Because Christianity is a religion of inconvenience. Think about it. It's a religion of inconvenience. It calls us to take up our cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ in a very selfless, sacrificial way. It's, it's not for the lazy, is it? It calls us not only to clean up after ourselves, but to be willing to help others do the same thing even. Again, then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The believer who adopts Christian values, uh, Christian values in their life, the, the Christian who adopts uh, or decides to live by principle is going to have no time to be lazy. That's all there is to it. It's not going to happen. You want to be the Christian Christ has called you to be, you'll never be able to have time. You, can't, you don't have time to be lazy. You can't do it. It won't work. Number two, living by principle is often a journey traveled alone. It's, it's traveled alone. Sadly, you and I cannot permit others who have fallen to frustrate us to the point of quitting or giving up. Our convictions, our resolve, those things are not based on those of others. We've got to maintain our biblical philosophy and lifestyle and, 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 and in order to prevail. We, we have to let that prevail. And when others have abandoned us or the faith, we still continue to follow and stay consistent and faithful. And it's easy to become critical of those who have drifted away from truth or even fallen entirely. Still, we have to remain faithful and true to our principles and our convictions. You're going to walk alone when you live by principle. There won't always be somebody beside you to hold your hand. You may stand by yourself, just you and God, saying, I know what's right and I know what's true and I know what God's word says. I'm going to stick. Successful living by principle, number three, like every aspect of the Christian life, demands that we never forget who we are or what we are. We're just sinners saved by grace. That's all we are. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15.10. 1 Corinthians 15.10. I mean, this thing called the Christian life and living by principle is not for the lazy. It's not going to work because, honestly, we're going to find ourselves, it, it gonna pay a, we're going to pay a price. Uh, we, we may have to uh, stand alone. Uh, we're going to have to remember where uh, we came from and who we are. Uh, otherwise, we might just find ourselves in a tough spot. Notice what he says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. You know, realizing his fleshly tendencies. The Apostle Paul, he was very careful not to grow comfortable. He understood how weak he was in the flesh. I mean, this is the greatest Christian that walked the face of the earth. 
Outside of Jesus Christ himself, Paul the Apostle was one of the greats. I mean, you take, you say, well, what about Enoch? Man, great man of God. What about Jeremiah? Without a doubt. Amazing prophet. But you know what? When we think about Paul the Apostle, literally he wrote pretty much the New Testament for the New Testament church. It's an amazing thing what God used him to do and accomplish. This guy is a real testimony of what a Christian ought to look like and what he ought to be. And when he says to me in his, he says, he says uh, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And, you know, he realizes that, man, my flesh is what it is, and I better be extremely careful. And he goes on in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 to say, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Paul the Apostle is warning the Corinthians now, and he's saying, listen, you think you're standing, but you better be careful because you could fall. You start getting a little too high and mighty. You start to think that you got it all figured out. You kind of get to the place where you say, man, I can, I can eat the meat and cast off the bones, and I can take care of this. I can read that. I can listen to that. I can do that, and it'll be all right. I'm, I'm a mature Christian. I can handle it. Now, I wouldn't want some young Christian to deal with that, but I can deal with that. I got it figured out. He says, guess where you're headed? Eh, pretty soon you'll be compromising. Pretty soon you'll find that you've let down your guard. Pretty soon you'll see you got a little lazy when it came to who and what you were. And you forgot you were just mere flesh except for the grace of God in your life. Friend, let me tell you something. We better be real careful. We never forget where we came from and who we are. He didn't take his position in place with the Lord for granted. He didn't do that. He didn't want to become lazy and risk his relationship and his reputation with God or man. Boy, he had to be careful, and so do we. So do we. Let me give you a couple common dangers, and we're done. At times, we may even lie and exaggerate in order to cover up our laziness. Let me say that again. Here's one of the common dangers. At times, we may even lie and exaggerate in order to cover up our laziness. Two college students had their most important exam come Monday, but they chose to waste the weekend instead of studying. Ah, that's never happened to any of us, right? So after realizing how badly they had messed up in their desperation, they begged their professor to give them an extra day for the exam. Just one more day, Doc, please, just one more day. Give us one more day. They told him that they had a flat tire on the way to school. and couldn't reach class in time. Even though the professor was highly skeptical, he agreed. All right. The two students dedicated to getting a good score on their exam. They spent the entire day cramming down every last possible detail that they thought might be on the test. When they come in the next day, the professor hands them a test and sends them to a separate rooms to take that test. So off to the prospective rooms these students went. The first question was rather basic and simple. For five points, describe the structure of an atom and all its properties. They thought to themselves, this first question is any indication of how the rest of the test is going to go. It's going to be a piece of cake. After they write out all they know about the atom, they turn the page and it says, for 95 points, tell me which tire it was. Which tire was it? Let's face it, we find ourselves tempted to lie because we're lazy or we've been irresponsible and didn't do what we should have already done. Why is that not done? 
and then all of a sudden we make up a story or we fudge the truth because, well, we just were lazy to begin with. Boy, if that's the case with you or me, we need to deal with that. Get honest and then get going. If your laziness tempts you to lie about a situation or stretch the truth, then it's time to deal with both, both the lying and the laziness. Number two, and finally, not only these common dangers, at times we even lie and exaggerate in order to cover up our laziness, but living by principle is a lifetime pursuit. You say, that's a danger? Yeah, it is. It, it's possible to have been a man or a woman of principle who pursued truth and integrity as a way of life, and then at some point we become sloppy and lazy. Before James Garfield went into politics, before he became president of the United States, he taught at what is now Hiram College in Ohio. He was ambidextrous. That means he could use both hands. And so the ambidextrous Garfield, he would amuse his students by writing on the chalkboard with both hands. One in Greek and the other in Latin. Can you imagine that? One in Greek and the other in Latin. I can only do English and German. Actually, I can't do either. But anyway, he could do both. I mean, he was it's amazing Greek and, and, and Latin at the same time. It said that on one occasion, a father came to Garfield and he complained about the academic course at the school. He said that it was just a little too long and arduous and he asked if it could be shortened. Certainly, said Garfield. Yeah, we can do that. But it all depends on what you want to make of your boy. When God wants to make an oak tree, he takes a hundred years. You get what he was saying? It all depends on what you want to make of your boy. Oh, we can lower the standard. We can make it a lot easier. We can go ahead and shorten the duration of this education. But the truth is, it depends on what you want him to turn out to be. But when God does something, like an oak tree, it takes 100 years. I think maybe we probably ought to lean a little bit more toward God's method and let's make the, realize that we've got to last out quite a while. We don't just start off strong, we have to finish strong. We don't just do good to begin with, we have to do good throughout our lifetime. It is a real danger today in Christianity to let off the gas as we get closer to the grave. And that's a problem. That's a real problem. We may not be able to do what we used to do, but we can do what we can do. And God doesn't expect us to be anybody but ourselves. We've got to work at this thing. We can't get lazy. Not when it's coming to the end. We've got to stay on the front line. We've got to keep our foot on the, throttle, on the gas. We've got to keep our hand on the throttle. According to the Associated Press, on December the 14th, 1996, a 763-foot grain freighter, the Bright Field is what it was called, 
was headed down the Mississippi at New Orleans, Louisiana, when it lost control. The vessel veered toward the shore. It crashed into the Riverside shopping mall. 116 people were injured. Parts of the wharf were demolished, as well as a very significant amount of damage incurred in the neighborhood shops, restaurants, and hotels. After investigating the incident for a year, the Coast Guard reported the freighter had lost control because the engine had shut down. The engine had shut down because of low oil pressure. The oil pressure was low because of a clogged oil filter. And the oil filter was clogged because the ship's crew had failed to maintain the engine properly. You know, the truth is that Sudden disasters frequently have a long history behind them. And you know where they're beginning? With laziness. Well, I know that it may not seem that what's going on in your life or the thing that you failed to do recently is really of that great significance, but the fact is, is that it's almost like a snowball rolling downhill that continues to gain momentum. It's like those dominoes that start and continue to go one after the other after the other, until finally they're all on the ground. Laziness puts in motion, more than not, tragedy. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. 1 Timothy 4.15 says, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profit may appear to all. Proverbs 18.9 says, He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Listen, don't get lazy and don't be lazy. If you and I are going to live by principle, we're going to allow the word of God to govern our lives, then we cannot afford to get lazy. Don't excuse or justify your laziness. Confess your laziness as sin and then repent of your laziness and change your daily routine. Today, maybe you're warring with an area of your life where you're lazy, not overall. People would say, oh, he's a good worker, but you're lazy in a particular area. Don't excuse or justify that laziness. Confess your laziness as sin, and then repent of your laziness and change your daily routine. May God help us not to get lazy or be lazy. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for the privilege and the opportunity we have to gather, and Lord, just for the time we have around the Word of God, and Lord, what an important truth it is, Lord, to really to be good workers, not to allow ourselves to get so comfortable, so, as you say, as we say, lazy, Father, because, Lord, the, the, the battle is raging consistently and continually in the Christian life. We don't have time to put on the brakes and relax and coast. We need to be 
on the throttle. And Lord, when you want to give us a break, oh, we'll get that break. And Lord, your word will provide us with some tremendous comfort and strength. Father, you, the Holy Spirit living in us, will do the same. But Lord, help us, Father, to be faithful, whether it's being just making our bed or whether it's doing our studies or possibly working on our marriages or, Father, just raising our families or being the Christian we ought to be studying the Word of God, praying consistently, and truly living the Christian life without compromise. Help us, Lord, not to be lazy or to get lazy. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.